Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Mike, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear it, me? Yeah. It says it's recording. Um, so I, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to trust that it is actually recording. Uh, all right. Today we're going to talk about uh, pet badge gardening. So what, everything you need to do to get the, uh, the sand badge, the straw badge, the wood badge, and the iron badge in gardening. And uh, so we're just going to uh, take care of some uh, quick uh, business first on some little bits and bobs. Because one of the things is is that I remember that you went on a trip to New Zealand and you left about a month ago. But yes. just, just before you left, you were kind of scratching your chin and thinking about possibly not going. Because even a month ago, there was this thing called the coronavirus and it was kind of like in the neighborhood of New Zealand. That, by by the neighborhood, I mean that side of the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's always an interesting thing. You're going on a trip and you hear about, oh, there's a virus, or oh, there's something happening, and then you start thinking, ah, should we go? Should we not? And eh, is it a big deal? Is it not? I don't know. And up until the day before we left, I still didn't quite know. I was, I was pretty sure we'd go, but eh, you know, we're going to be gone a month. A huge long trip. Lots of money had been spent that we couldn't get back. So it's yeah, you're not sure what to do, and and you know, got good. Uh, yeah, ended up going. Of course, it was it was fine. It was wonderful. On the way there, saw some people with interesting. Uh, a mask habits, about a third of the people on the airplane, on the airport that had their little, their surgical masks on only had them covering their mouth and not their nose. So it was neat, but yeah, once we got, got there, it was fine. Um, and on the way back, you know, a month later, we were hoping, oh, I hope we don't get stuck in a quarantine or something. And no, there was, there was nothing on the way home, but. Again, even though I'm I'm back home now, if we were leaving for another trip in a week, I'd be even more nervous about it. So yeah, it's so I I wonder if the gift shop in New Zealand, if they've got something where you could like get a like a a plaque that has like a hobbit head on it. <laughs> like I went to New Zealand and and look what I got to hang on my wall. <laughs> we. We went hunting, see? I, I don't know. It, it seems like it could be kind of a funny joke. No, they didn't have that. We did go see Hobbiton, though. And uh, sadly, that was one of my favorite things of the whole trip. That <laughs> Hobbit village, it's it, it's just beautiful. Though. I mean, it's hard to describe how cute it is to walk through there and see the little hobbit holes and out in their gardens. They kind of do a little bit of permaculture there, it seems, like kind of wild, rambly gardens. Nice. And it's a, and they're earth sheltered homes. The tour guide didn't know how they kept the, the beams from rotting. So a little disappointed in his lack of natural building knowledge. But regardless, it was very, 
Very pretty. I'd recommend it. If anyone goes there, get the first time slot, the first tour of the morning. Because then you're the first group through there, and all your pictures have nothing but hobbit houses and greenery in them. Later on in the day, there's people everywhere, all over the landscape, following their tour guide around, and none of your pictures are are people free. So. And then you came back, and uh, so far you're not dead. That's nice. No. <laughs> I was stopping a couple times uh, two days ago. I was starting to wonder, but but no, I seem to have made it. I um, <clears throat> I had the opportunity yesterday to visit with somebody at a Seattle hospital um, and uh, uh, heard some fascinating things. And so by the time people get this podcast, maybe the whole coronavirus thing will be all done. But I kind of feel like um, at this point, based on the new information that I have, I kind of feel like I want to... Um, I don't know, comfort people, like, like let people know that I think it's not a big deal. Um, uh, and, and you know what? I just want to blurt out a couple of things, my own opinion, and then let's get on with the rest of the podcast. And that is that <clears throat> I think half of the population is going to either have a strong enough immune system or they're going to do something preventative such that it appears that they never get it. But the reality is that they got it and their immune system took care of it. That's half the population right there. Um, and then uh, 40%, uh, they will experience something like a cold or flu, but nothing serious enough for a hospital. And those people won't even get tested. All right, so now we've, that's, now we've taken care of, we've, we've examined 90% of the population. Um, 5% of the population will experience something hospital-worthy, but they won't go into a hospital or won't get tested for some reason. And then the last 5% will um, experience something hospital-worthy. They will get tested and do the stupid stuff. Just a fraction of those people will get reported to the bigger statistics. The stuff that I've heard about weird things with statistics has been is bizarre. It's comical. Um, right now, the word is that there's 1,500 people in the United States that have coronavirus. I'm going to guess that the number is closer to 2 million based on the information that I heard yesterday. Um, I, and I think it's all over the United States. I mean, they keep talking about states and like things like that. The other thing is, is I think pretty much everybody's going to get it. It's just that some people are going to have a strong enough immune system that it'll seem like they didn't get it. Um, but there's just no getting away from it. It's just, it's, it's like an especially, uh, um, aggressive cold, uh, an aggressive in fact, in the way that it wants to, you know, get everywhere. And, but it's like, um, and then also the other interesting, fascinating thing about it is, is that, of course, its impact is going to be the most significant on old people, just as they're susceptible to damn near everything. Um, and it's also going to be something that uh, apparently smokers or people who live in an area that have a lot of air pollution um, are seem to be suffering the most, which I've got a note here in my notes. Uh, how clean is the air at Wheaton Labs? I think it's pretty damn clean here. <laughs> so... Um, 
I, I have a note that you, Mike, wanted to add in here, something about the hospital curve. Yeah, I saw, saw an interesting, I think it was a meme, it showed on the left side a normal distribution curve of, like, infections over time, and then there was a horizontal line showing the maximum capacity of hospitals to deal with people. Yeah. And the curve went well above that that line, indicating that if you follow that distribution curve, the hospitals will be inundated and it'll just be a horrible thing. Then below that picture was a was a picture of a guy saying, what, it's just a cold, no big deal, or a cold or flu, it's no big deal. Then you slide over to the right side of the meme, and it showed that distribution curve flattened out about twice as, I forget my statistics, but about twice as wide so that the peak of the curve stayed under the hospitalization line or the maximum capacity line. Then below that, the picture had somebody else saying, yeah, we're going to get it, but let's wash our hands and avoid large groups and slow the spread of it. So I thought that was a pretty neat way of showing that, yeah, you might, you'll probably catch it. It's going to get everywhere. But if we can slow it down just enough that the hospitals aren't inundated and all the doctors and nurses and everyone just collapse under the pressure and all get sick, that it's it's still a good thing to delay it, even if it's inevitable for that, at least that one reason. So, so um, I, I'm going to say that uh, I think that that is nice. And I think that there will be, there will be quite a few people to be motivated by that uh, to slow it down. But I think a more, a more important reason to slow it down would be so that we can get more knowledge about it. So, like, better to get sick with it five months from now than to get sick with it today. Although I'm not sure how much people are going to be able to postpone it. Um, the information I got was from somebody who worked in a hospital, and it sounded like uh, pretty much everybody in the hospital had it. And, um, uh, like, probably it, it sounded like about half the people – Maybe 40 to, 40 to 50 percent never showed any symptoms, but everybody else kind of got a fever and a cough and they worked through it. They just kept working. And then the symptoms went away, like they got past it. And, uh, but none of the staff got tested for coronavirus. So it's like maybe they had it and now they're past it or. Maybe they didn't have it. Maybe they had something else. Um, but it, it did sound like, um, it was, there was speculation among the staff that everybody got it, but it turned out to be like just a, just a cold. Um, um, you know, and they worked through it. So I kind of feel like, um, based on that and a few other things, um, I, I just kind of feel like, uh, like it's probably, it's, like any, you can slow it down now. You can work to slow it down now, and that would be good for for a variety of reasons, both for the community and for yourself. But I kind of feel like it's plausible that everybody has done what they can do, and that's it. It's it's already so pervasive and so everywhere. It's like it's it's done. But but hey, maybe not. Maybe it's gonna keep going. All right. Um, final little note. Um, I think everybody who's listening to this podcast is probably aware of the uh, information that's been put out about how the coronavirus, since it's eliminated so much travel and so many people have been told to stay home and not go to work and things of that nature, uh, the environmental impact has been large and positive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, 
At, at the very least, people are learning that they could do a lot of work from home and do a lot of stuff from home. Yeah, and hopefully more people plant a garden now because they're afraid the food system will collapse or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's there's some uh, upsides. <clears throat> um, moving on, ditching coronavirus. Unless you got anything else to add? Nope, I'm good. All right, all right. And probably by the time this podcast goes out, all this information will be like a hundred years old, and no one will care. So I'm just, I, maybe I'm just wasting time saying this stuff. Uh, all right, um, we put in an enormous, you and I, uh, as well as a bunch of other people. I mean, Nicole, uh, Jennifer, and Josiah. So many of us put this enormous amount of time setting up the uh, uh, permaculture technology jamboree. Just and it and it cut deeply into our pep time. But but I think that we both agreed that it was time well spent. That the upsides outweigh the downsides. And then, of course, we ended up canceling the jamboree because people stopped buying tickets. And we couldn't, and it became clear. And now I feel way better because um, there's, like, thousands of events all over the world that have been canceled for the exact same reason. Um, in fact, I, I read somewhere that uh, a conference about coronavirus was canceled because of coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, uh, all right, we canceled it. That's a bummer. I do think that a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the Jamboree, we're going to try and do it this year as part of the boot camp. And so I think we're, we're moving forward. We're still going to give it a try. Um, and it depends on how many people come out for the boot camp. Uh, at the same time, uh, it cut deeply into PEP. So the, all the PEP stuff kind of got a little bit put on hold while while we focused on the jamboree and now we're getting back into the pep saddle and we're going to try and wrap this thing up. And so we're kind of, so I know that the last time we made a podcast talking about skip and pep, we asked for help and a couple of people stood up to, to give help. And so, um, uh, yay. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I know Ashley has even joined us on some of our, uh, uh, meetings, our Zoom meetings, and, uh, has been, you know, cranking out BBs and things like that. So, so different people have, have stepped up to, to help with different parts. Uh, so we made some notes here. Um, one of the things that I think is a big way to help with getting skipped done is, uh, to go out and, and get certified for some of these things. Go and get some of the BBs. Do some of the BBs. Because we kind of came up with a BB and we said, okay, uh, here's the things that you do, and you take pictures at these steps. And we think it's pretty rock solid. And, in fact, for a lot of the BBs, a lot of people have gone and done them, and they are. The BB as defined is rock solid, and several people have gotten certified for that BB. <clears throat> so go ahead and get certified for those. Um, but at the same time, for some of the BBs, no one has attempted to get certification for them yet. And it would be, and it would, I don't know, might be interesting to, to you, the, the listener, the pod person out there listening to this right now. Maybe it'd be of value to you to, to do whatever it is that BB is and to take the pictures. But that's one way, because when we have to go and validate it, then 
that's uh, a way for us to learn whether or not the BB is solid or not. And, and it's like whether or not we've, we've created it correctly. I know that there were a couple where somebody said, in fact, Mike, I think you were saying something about one where it's like, okay, how do I hold a watch up and take a picture of it and do the thing at the same time? And, mm-hmm. and so we modified that BB <laughs> to be like, yeah, cause, cause I think most of us don't, I know I used to wear a watch all day, every day. And now I, my phone tells me what time it is. And it's like, but at the same time, it's the same phone that I used to take the pictures, right? So it's yeah. like. I ended up stealing a clock off the wall and sitting in the tractor and taking a picture of me <laughs> holding the clock out the front end of the tractor to show that I was operating it and at a clock. Yeah, it works fine if you have a team of videographers helping you document it. But yeah, if you're by yourself, sometimes. Yeah, that one was. But we got it fixed. Yeah, the more BBs people can do it, you know, it's fun to do BBs also, just, I might say. So just go out, get some, get a bunch of BBs, start working on your certification. And the more people that are doing the BBs, it gets more people thinking and then it just snowballs and we have more involvement and a more robust program. So we've got some people that are helping us with creating the BB threads and then some people who are getting the first BB. Uh, getting the first certification for that BB, that's verifying that it's like, no, this is good. Um, this is, this works. What's, what's, you know, laid out here. So, um, uh, there's all kinds of angles to help with that. Um, <clears throat> then there's some stuff where, uh, Mike and I are going to have a whole bunch of Zoom meetings to try and hammer out the last little details. So everything currently has at least a sand badge defined. <clears throat> and um, there are a few aspects where we still need to define at least one more badge. So I know that some of them, uh, they just need the iron badge defined, but some of them need uh, straw, wood, and iron, and some might just need wood and iron and things like that. So ones where they're not quite fully complete is the tool care. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, tool care just needs the iron badge defined. Um, food prep and preservation, animal care. I think animal care is really close to being all done. Yeah. Uh, community living, textiles. I know that Raven and Nicole have been helping a lot with us defining textiles. Uh, gray water and willow feeders, commerce, and commerce will probably be pretty quick. I think it's just going to be more and more of the same. Um, natural medicine, uh, that's a fascinating one. We've been getting a lot of help from a lot of different people on that one. Uh, and finally, Nest. Nest is an interesting one. And um, that one's going to require some levels of creativity. Um, uh, and finally, uh, yeah, the big thing that I think at this time we could use help with is participation in our Zoom meetings. Um, because when we have the Zoom meetings, we kind of talk about like, what, what are we going to do between now and the next Zoom meeting? And everybody kind of takes some pieces and we go from there. Um, all right. Uh, next. Another one, and I'm not, I'm not sure if you played hit on it, was so folks can help by getting by doing BBs. They can also help a lot by creating threads for BBs that haven't been created yet. So we've published a number of badges that 
sand, stra or sorry, straw, wood, and iron levels are defined. All the BBs are listed, but they are they're dead links. They don't go anywhere. So somebody just likes writing and is a little creative thinking about how to do any particular BB. We'd use a lot of help writing up BB threads for there's probably 500 that could be done. So somebody just likes yeah. doing a little writing in the evenings, creating those BB threads for us would be tremendously helpful. Yeah. And I think that the template makes it so that 90% of it is going to be, you know, similar to the other BBs. So, um, I think it's, I think it's pretty straightforward and easy. Most of it's going to be like, you know, okay, the, the standard format is a take a picture before, during, and after. Uh, does that seem like it kind of works for this BB? And then in which case it's like, then you just copy and paste that, you know, wording and that's it. Yep. Yeah. So, we've got a thread for how to create a BB. If anyone who's listening to this is interested and wants to do that, just shoot me a PM and I can get you started on the side. I'd, I'd be happy to spend a few minutes getting you started because it'll save me hours and not having to write these up myself. And this is a, this is a, a community effort because it's going to be free. It's a thing that we're putting together and the whole thing should be able to function entirely free. So, you know, um, but that said, we're going to try and do it. We're talking now about doing a Kickstarter later for a book about it. <clears throat> and we've even got a, uh, a poor man's poll up right now about the kick, about a Kickstarter. And so people can go and click on the thumbs up for the options that they like. But it's not etched in stone, but we're kind of thinking that we might. And it'll be about, we'll, we'll kind of cobble together a book out of all of the information that, that has been put together. Um, but the whole the whole program is free and it would always be free and it would be self. So people can go and get their BB certified and then get their badges certified and then get like PEP one, PEP two certified all for free. Doesn't, they don't have to pay anything at all and, uh, and get it all done. Um, they can even get willed some land and have their own homestead for free. And then there's that perk too. So, I kind of feel like for something that's of this magnitude that's being offered for free, in order to be able to get it to exist, then, of course, people have to volunteer. And um, so we're fishing. We're fishing for help. And fortunately, I think, you know, so far there's been a lot of people that are putting a lot of work. They think it's going to end up being well worth it. All right. Um, one one quick other thing. Um, uh these podcasts are made possible through uh, Patreon uh, by Patreon supporters, and uh, I I kind of thought at one point I was going to do this like every podcast, but of course I always forget. So what I've done is I I put together a list of the top all-time Patreon supporters uh, for the podcast, and this is three of those people, three of all the of all the people that are currently supporting. The, uh, the Patreon here is, uh, I know the ones that have supported the most for all time, three people. Ivand, uh, I don't, Ivan, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Uh, Borkovog? Uh, that's a guess. But Ivan was the navigator when we did the West Coast tour. Um, uh, so I spent, uh, I spent a month with Ivan. <laughs> 
And, and he's been a staunch supporter of like Kickstarters and of course Patreon, everything. Um, and then the next one is one supporter. And when we asked, how would you like your name to be displayed? It's, uh, it looks like it divides into three names. Suleiman, Carrie, and Sasquatch. But then, um, the funny thing is, is that another person, we said, how do you want your name displayed? And they said, Sasquatch. <laughs> Sasquatch is a, is a powerful theme. <laughs> and, uh, I know that for the, uh, for many years, for probably more than a decade, that's what my brother always called me. And apparently, uh, uh, he tried to speak to me in Sasquatch speech, which apparently is booga booga. And uh, I don't know, uh, I've never met an actual Sasquatch, but I did go through high school being called Bigfoot. Um, I think it's just because I'm, I'm a giant. All right. You ready? Let's get right into it. Anything Ooh. else before we go into gardening? Not that I know of. All right. Um, for the sand badge in gardening, there have been, this is, to get the whole pep thing kind of rolling, in the first year, I really struggled as people didn't seem to understand what I was suggesting. Now I kind of feel like there's a lot of people that understand what I'm suggesting. Um, <clears throat> but uh, um, one of the things that I said is for the sand badge, so for the for the most basic badge, I said build a hookah culture. Uh, and, I, and I believe, if I remember correctly... It's got to be seven feet tall and uh, seven feet, no, seven feet wide and six feet long. So I kind of had this thought that either you could do a standalone like that, in which case it ends up looking a little bit like a pyramid shape. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, you could get together with five or six other people. And as each person does their chunk, you end up with something that's like maybe 30 feet long. Um but oh, I got a lot of pushback. A lot of people said building a hugo culture is too big. It's too big of a thing. And a lot of people don't have enough space to do it. And um, then I started getting feedback from people where they wanted to get the gardening sand badge, but they lived in an apartment. And, and so I kind of, in the end, I basically, oh, and then a lot of people were like, if I'm going to build this and I don't have an excavator, it's going to take like hours, like, you know, maybe even as much as like seven or eight hours. And so I, uh, I, I, in the end, I decided to stick to my guns. Building this hugo culture is a, a critical component of getting the sand badge for gardening for a whole lot of reasons. Um, and then if you don't have an excavator, yes, it will take you longer. Um, just like if you're going to go and, and build that um, club-style mallet and you don't have a hatchet, it's going to take you a lot longer. <laughs> what do you got, a, a kitchen knife? <laughs> you're going to whittle it, maybe? I, I don't know. But um, I, I think that... Um, uh, and then when and there's some people that said like, uh, my yard is so small, I, I can't possibly do anything of that size. Or 
um, my yard is small and my HOA won't allow it and things of that nature. And it's kind of like, uh, we're, we're working on, after we're done with coming up with PEP, we want to, um, put together the, um, P program, which is, um, a permaculture experience for apartment dwellers. So everything will fit into an apartment. And so then you'd have different, you know, some of the badges would be the same, but then it would, it would be kind of like, okay, you don't, you don't have to do this. But I kind of feel like this is one of those things where if you can't do it in your yard, but you want to get sort of, you want to get the sand badge for gardening, then it would, you either need to find a place like Mike, if, if somebody contacted you and they lived like, I don't know, 10 minutes away from you and said, can I come build a hugo culture at your place so I can get the sand badge? What would you say? Okay, come on over. I don't have a tractor, but here's a shovel. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and then uh, in your neighborhood, um, there might be a dozen people that are keen on permaculture, and they do have a tractor. Um, and, uh, and, and they might be open to it. Just guess. I'm just guessing. Yeah, or in my case, I went to a place called Wheaton Labs and built one. There's that. There's that. And, and a lot of people are, and that's another thing too, is as we're trying to get this to all work out, we're trying to say like, first we're going to get it, we're going to come up with a plan for my place. And I think that with an extra 1% effort, we can get it to work in millions of places. And then I think it's going to take a significant amount of more effort to come up with stuff that's going to like work in a tropical area or whatever, like all, all the different climates, all the different things, et cetera. So it's like, you know, first let's come up with like a list of experiences that work here. And I kind of feel like along the way we're putting in this little bit of extra effort so it could work mo- in a lot of places, millions, millions of places. So, um, if somebody lives in a place where they can't build a hookah culture, there's a good chance that there's a place that's 10 or 15 minutes away from them where they can. And I think that when we get um, uh, further down this road, we might be able to start a page to be like um, like a thread would be, uh, hey, do you have land where uh, somebody could come and build a hookah culture bed? Or, or um, probably even better would be like, uh, uh, if I can get 10 people to come and get their Google culture BB at my place, I'm willing to, to do this. I mean, doing it one at a time might be a bit of a pain in the ass, but if it's 10 people at once, then you end up with a whole bunch of people helping you build a bunch of Google culture. And it's like, yeah, so everybody's got a motivation to do it. And then you're getting it done with help. Yay! Yay! One, so, yeah, maybe one side note with that: if you have ten people building a hugu culture together, in order to get the badge, each person has to do all the elements of their hugu culture. So you can't just have one person sit on the excavator the whole week. You need to. Everyone has to do every part of it so that you can say you fully built your hugu culture, your your six foot section of the hugu right. culture. And I think that. Um, I think that what you need is you need to have, you know, photographic proof, proof that you were doing, you know, throwing the wood into the pile, right? 
and that you were driving the excavator or at least working the shovel, whatever it was that you had to do in order to, um, which is, by the way, is another thing too, is like if somebody is like complaining that they don't have an excavator, well, do they have a tractor? And if they don't have an excavator or a tractor, do they even have a shovel? You know, it's like, are they going to go out there with a spoon <laughs> to build their agriculture bed? Um, hopefully it won't come to that. But you have to take pictures of, of doing all the pieces. So I kind of imagine that somebody's going to drive the excavator while somebody else is throwing the wood in. And then as they go on to the next piece, then somebody else is driving the excavator and the person that was driving the excavator is throwing the wood in. And then you get into the thing like, okay, this is my patch for seeding and mulching. And so I'm going to jump in there and, you know, take pictures of me doing my patch of that. Okay, so I, I guess the the key is there's a BB. For the sand badge, there's three BBs. The first one, the big one, build a culture. And it's going to take as long as it's going to take, but everybody has the same requirement. It sucks for everybody equally or is lovely for everybody equally, however you want to view it. View it. But the, the important thing is, is that, it is an accomplishment. And then, in theory, Otis will be pleased. And so, um, uh, everybody got, everybody gets that done. That is a, that is, I think, a significant and important and cool thing in the end to have gotten it done. Uh, anything else about the hookah culture BB? Hmm. No. Nope. I, I think most of it is, is like, the frustration of getting to the point where we're going to declare it is a thing of substance. And a lot of people want it to, to they want the sand badge, but without building a hookah culture. And I'm choosing to say, nope, if you're going to get the sand badge, you're going to build a hookah culture. Um, I think that's kind of, for me, for gardening, that's kind of a bare minimum deal. Okay, uh, the next BB, chop and drop, 50 square feet. I think that's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, um, no, I think it's – and you're, the drop is the 50 square feet. You might have to chop a bunch more in order to have enough mulch for your 50 square feet. Right. I think it's usually a three-to-one, so you probably got to chop 150 square feet to drop 50 square feet. Yeah, yeah it depends on your uh, resources, how lush it is. Yep. And then the last BB for the sand badge is Ruth Stout-style composting. So you've got your bucket full of kitchen scraps. You go outside, you lift up some mulch, you throw it in, you put the mulch back down. That's real quick. That's real simple. All right. Um, and uh, do those three things, and boom, baby, you got the sand badge. Uh, moving on to the straw badge. So this is going to be more significant. The sand, the sand badges tend to be something that is going to be like half a day to a day, maybe even more than a day, something like that, to do one sand badge. A straw badge, if you're working only on this straw badge, probably a week or two to get a straw badge. Um, so uh, first BB is seed saving. Um, and so you're gonna you're gonna uh, uh, gather some seeds from a few different species. <clears throat> yeah, it's four four species of seed saving. Okay. And uh, I don't think you have to plant them. I think you just have to gather them and and store them, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, uh, next BB is to incur, is encouraging volunteer or wild plants, probably mulching or chop and drop. So, um, I'm going to guess like if you have a volunteer tomato, rather than plucking it out, you're going to mulch around it. Um, but there could also be something that's growing wild. Like maybe you've got some nettles that you wish to encourage, some stinging nettles or some other wild land. I suppose dandelions are a possibility. Um, I mean, it does seem like they get bigger and tastier um, if you, you know, give them a little bit of care. But find something that's going to be um, uh, a wild plant that you like and, and uh, give it some care. Uh, grow, harvest, and preserve 100,000 calories. And this is going to end up being this this kind of thing is going to be the foundation for the wood badge and the iron badge. So um, uh, basically, you're going to in your garden, you're going to um, uh, plant a bunch of stuff. It's going to grow, and then you're going to harvest it, and then you're going to preserve it somewhere. And um, you need to do at least twelve different species. <clears throat> oh, and then here's a note that's right in the uh, the the gardening badge information, and that is there are 10,000 calories in 35 pounds of potatoes. I think I think growing 35 pounds of potatoes would go pretty fast. Uh, 10 pounds of prunes, 40 quarts of salsa. So I imagine a lot of people are going to be, because when you're thinking about growing a garden, I think a lot of people think about tomatoes, but um, to get to get uh, your uh, to get 10,000 calories is going to be quite a bit of work for that salsa. Um, 10, there's 10,000 calories in six pounds of dried strawberries. Uh, 10,000 calories in 55 pounds of onions. 10,000 calories in 50 pounds of winter squash. So I think, I think that one would be a pretty easy one. Um, 30 pounds of sunchokes. That would be a super easy one. Seven pounds of field corn or rye or most grains. I think that one's pretty easy. Uh, seven pounds of dried black beans. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think that one's okay-ish. Yeah, that's pretty easy in my book. Well, the hard part is, is that you gotta go out and grab each bean pod that's dried and kinda, of, you know, yeah. crunch, crunch up the outside and it's like, there's seven more beans. <laughs> no, there's a fast, the way I do it is, and I grow dry beans, the loft house, um, dry beans. And yeah, at the end of the, and you either pluck all the pods off and you throw them in a chicken food bag. And then you fold over the top of the bag and you do a little dance and you just stomp them all. And then 90% of them shell out of the beat, out of the pods and you pour those out and you, and you call it good. Yeah. And then each year you're, you're selectively breeding for the ones that shell easily. So the next year when you stomp them, maybe 99% will come out of the pods. But oh. yeah, you can get a lot of beans just by stomping on a bag of beans. And some people don't even pluck the individual pods. You just take the whole whole plant and 
stomp it to get the beans out. So, yeah, it's not as bad as you're thinking. I usually try to grab it, and I try to mush up the pod as I'm throwing it in. And and then, then I'm going to winnow it later, you know. But I still kind of think that it's kind of like, it's a, it seems a little slow going, but you're right. It's right up there with like, uh, uh, most grains, although corn can kind of go a little bit faster, but corn, corn, a lot, sometimes the corn really wants to, to, to be friends with a cob forever. So that could be a little challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I'd but, much rather grow seven pounds of dry beans and make 40 quarts of salsa. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, all right, 10,000 calories, and this is the last one. Four pounds of sunflower seeds. Wow. That's not bad. No. That's not bad because it's got a high level of calories in it. So, all right. Uh, uh, another note, uh, FYI, an average person eats one million calories per year. All right, so that's all. All of that had to do with one BB, which was grow, harvest, and preserve 100,000 calories. And by the way, when we talked about the straw badge being like a week or two to do it, it's a week or two spread out over like three to six months for the straw badge. So um, I, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think I think a lot of this stuff is going to be pretty easy. It's going to be you know your a basic garden. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, you'll use the, the permaculture techniques to make it a little easier on yourself. All right. Next BB. Build a hugel culture that's seven feet tall and 12 feet long. So it's double the size of what was in the sand badge. Uh, there's a note here that says, uh, all systems are polyculture systems. And then the last BB is direct seed perennials, no transplanting. The seed is planted outdoors. Plant 50 of each and verify that at least one has sprouted. Fruit trees, black locust, and nut trees. I think, I think that one's pretty quick and simple. That one's, that one's not a big deal. I mean, basically the, the challenging part is going to be to come back and verify that at least one has sprouted. So you're going to, you're going to need to, to mark them. All right. All of this is completed without imports except for the seeds, uh, from more than 500 feet away. So, um, I think we had to say that because there were people that were asking questions about like bringing in a truckload of wood chips or something. And we're saying like bringing in a truckload of wood chips is fine if you have your wood chips like within 500 feet of your property. And I'd like to discourage you from having wood chips. <laughs> so I guess one question, if you're doing your hugo culture and the closest woods that you on your property is 300 feet away already, is this 500 feet away from your property boundary or from the location that you're building your hugel? From the location where you're building the hugel. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, um, if you're trying to build a hugel culture and, um, the nearest tree is a mile away, I'm not sure hugel culture is a great fit. Or, like, I remember being at one place and they didn't have much in the way of trees, but they had oceans of sagebrush. And so it's like, okay, you build the hugel culture out of 
sage shrubs. So no problem. Um, I mean, basically, I, so many people, are, they go to build a hula culture bed, and they're like, um, yeah, I'm going to bring in the most pristine ingredients from a thousand miles away. And I, and I kind of feel like that's, that's a little bit contrary to what we're trying to do here. It should be built out of materials that are quite local, that are mostly just right there. So I think, you know, 500 feet away, like if you've got a property that's two acres, I don't, and then like your next door neighbor says, Hey, can you get rid of this tree for me or whatever? Like that would be all right. Of course, I'd be a little concerned about like, why did your tree die? Did you poison it with something? And now it's full of persistent herbicides. Um, <clears throat> but mostly I'm thinking you're going to get it off of your own property. And the 500 feet away thing is to keep with the spirit of what we're trying to do. Perfect. All right. That's the straw badge. Anything else about straw badge? Mm, nope. I think it's, yeah, that's about it. Piece of cake. All right. Wood badge. This is um, going to be like a month or two of effort spread out over a year or two. Um, and so uh, grow, harvest, and preserve one million calories from at least 30 species. Half the food is grown without irrigation. All systems are polyculture systems. All right, so that's that's the first BB, and that and that one doesn't seem to have a BB page yet. So if somebody wanted to create the BB thread for that, that would be helpful. Uh, next BB, build a hugel culture seven feet tall and twenty four feet long, so twice as large as what was in the straw bag. Uh, next BB, build a quarter acre food forest. So that's going to be something that's about 100 feet by 100 feet. Um, and the last BB for wood badge, grow perennials from seed. No transplanting. The seed is planted outdoors. Verify that each of these have it, have at least 12 that have sprouted. And there's a, a list of um, apple, plum, peach, cherry, apricot, pear, mulberry, seaberry, walnut, hazelnut. Um, grow, and here's a, oh, so here's a, here's a list of species that in order to get the wood badge that you need to have grown. And, uh, whether it's part of your one million calories or it's part of grains from seed, things like that, but it's, it's uh, a list of uh, pretty traditional, oh, and there's three sisters in there. Pretty traditional garden foods. Oh, and there's stinging nettles in the list. There's, I see rye. So that could be like ulcer green. Um, oh, horseradish. Daffodils. Yeah. Grape. Comfrey, lettuce. You know, a lot of, a lot of very traditional stuff in there. There's, there's, um, rhubarb. And so a lot of people down in Texas are going to be like, I can't grow rhubarb here. And, um, and it's kind of like, yeah, well, um, we're going to have to come up with a different list for you at a different time. And then again, all this completed without imports except for seeds from more than 500. 
All right, that's Wood Badge. So, so Wood Badge is way bigger, but simpler than Straw Badge, I think. And then Iron Badge, even more so. Iron Badge gets even, even simpler. Um, grow, harvest, and preserve 4 million calories in one year. Uh, from at least 30 species, half the food is grown without irrigation. All systems are polyculture systems. Uh, the next BB is build a hugelkultur seven feet tall, total of 150 feet long, at least six beds, no straight lines, no frost pockets, designed to keep wind out, mulched and planted. The next BB is Harvest fruit from 12 trees that you started from seed. I think that one's going to be a big one. Iron badge, by the way, is something that should take about six months worth of work, maybe even six months to a year's worth of work, spread out over two to four years. So you're going to, you're going to start those fruit trees from seed and then you're going to baby them (laughs) so that they grow fast and big and start pumping out food quickly so you can get your iron badge wrapped up. Uh, the next BB is for a food forest. Sunscoop shape, no frost pocket, covers at least an acre. This is kind of a, a fun thing. Um, if you've got a north-facing slope and you do a sunscoop shape, you just made a frost pocket. <laughs> So you you got to be able to mitigate the frost pocket while maintaining the sunscoop shape. Uh, full seven layers. Covers at least an acre. Landray seed saving and use for at least 12 species for at least three generations. Save the seeds for particular traits. Encourage those traits for three generations. There you go. That's it. That's that's all the badges for gardening. Mike, is there anything else that should be pointed out here? No, I think not that I can think of. Yeah, it's it like several of our other badges. The the straw badge, the sand badge, kind of lays out some beginner things that to kind of get you going. Then as you as you move up through the badges, they get bigger and and sometimes simpler, like just. Preserve a million calories. We don't, you know, here's some, we don't care how you do it as long as you do it these, you know, cover these bases. But instead of telling you to grow each of them, a dozen different specific plants, it's just, just get her done. So. I think, I think we did a good job here saying like grow a million calories <clears throat> because I kept getting all this information where somebody would say like, uh, uh, I fed 400 people last year. And then it turns out that what they meant was is that um, if you took the, the food that they produced, like, it could be a garnish on 400 plates. Like, And it's like, so they decided to count that as, I fed 400 people. And so I'm kind of thinking like, um, see, I was kind of thinking like, if, you, if you're saying, I fed 400 people, you're basically saying I grew 400 million calories of food, which is different, a lot different. Because <laughs> I think I think four 
400 people where it's a garnish on 400 plates of food, I don't think that's even a million calories, especially if it's just salad greens. It's like your, you know, your, your food. So, um, I think growing a million calories is more challenging. And on, on top of that, I mean, if you grow one million calories, but you're not a vegan, then it, it kind of seems like you're probably only going to eat, I'm going to guess, um, maybe a little bit more than half of that. I mean, I guess it, it depends on uh, if you're a vegetarian or if you're kind of like, well, I sure like eating eggs. <laughs> I eat a lot of eggs. Then it's like for all the foods that you grew, what percentage of that is, is it of your of your diet? But um, at least if you grew a million calories, you could uh, clearly support the life of that for one year of one one vegan. And if you're an omnivore, then perhaps it's all of the um, food that you need uh, in combination with uh, animal products to feed two omnivores. Plausible. But we have a, but I think that this is a much better metric than some of the other metrics that, that I've come by. Cause the other thing is you could say, I grew a certain number of pounds of food. And it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I, I grew mountains of cabbages. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like, yeah, that's not, that's not quite the same. Plus diversity is also important for diversity of diet. So I, I like that we came up with the, the calorie measurement. Because I think that's that's where it kind of gets a little bit more challenging. So, you you know, at one million calories, I grew enough food to feed one person for a full year. All the food that they would need for a year. That's a slam dunk. And it's possibly, you know, the produce for multiple people. Because that's another measure that I've heard is like, like uh, um, I grew enough to feed uh, uh, 20 people for a full year. What they meant by that is feed them produce, which turns it to be like, you know, all, all of their salad needs for an entire year. And, and it's like, I don't, yeah, I think that's, that's a lot easier to do than one million. All right, Mike, are we done? I, I believe so. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about gardening, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts. 